Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Well, church, uh, as you know, we're a part of the Great Commission Collective, uh, a family network of churches, um, and that collective exists, as you heard on the video, to plant churches, and strengthen leaders. Um, And this morning, we have someone from the Great Commission Collective who's going to open the word. So after we read the text, John Crabtree is going to come and share God's word with us this morning. Uh, John is the director of training for the GCC. Uh, He's only been in that role for about a year. And so he's both kind of uh, developing some things that will help equip uh, pastors and leaders in uh, the local church, our local church, and other local churches, uh, but also he's still developing a lot of those things. So I uh, hope you get to maybe uh, meet him afterwards, but we're so grateful he's here. One thing I love about John, he's not just a guy that's got a job to develop training materials. Uh, he's been a pastor. He's planted two different churches um, in, in all that God's called him to. He may share a little bit about himself as he comes to share God's word with us this morning. So I'm grateful that he gets to be here where you can get kind of a more of a connection to the network uh, that we are a part of because we as a church are praying and have been since we uh, launched five years ago that we would be a church planting church. Uh, so maybe some of you are like stoked after hearing that video and you're like, yeah, I want to go plant a church, sign me up. So if you want to do that, like come see me afterwards or talk to John. But we're, we're praying about that and praying that God would use us to help uh, plant churches both in the U.S. and around the world. So we are going to, uh, yeah, John is going to be in God's Word in the Gospel of John. So if you could open your Bibles to the Gospel of John and stand uh, as we read God's Word together. So he's going to be in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verses 23 to 26. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Jamie, and it's great to be here with you uh, this morning. Um, you have a lot to be excited about. God is doing some neat things in your church, through your church, and it's just a privilege uh, for me to be able to see it and to be here and to share with you this morning. Uh, we had a great uh, time last night with Pastor Jamie, his family, some elders, and uh, they asked me if I slept well last night, and I normally don't. Um, I normally don't sleep well when I'm traveling or uh, especially the first night in a hotel but I slept like a baby last night, and I don't know if it was the prayer that they prayed for me last night or whether it was just them wearing me out. 
Uh, either way, it worked, and so I got a good rest, and, and it's a delight to be able to be here with you this morning. Um, great privilege, and I want to speak to you this morning on a legacy of multiplication, a legacy of multiplication, and you heard the scripture that was read. We're going to go through that uh, in our time this morning, and uh, before we actually get into things, I want, to, uh, I want to pray for us this morning and, and this time. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the awesome privilege it is to be able to gather in a place like this that we can come freely and that we can come expectantly. We do come that way this morning. God, would you speak to each of our hearts today? Would you take your word and would your Holy Spirit apply that word in our lives in a way that we all need it individually and in the way that we need it collectively as a church family? So, Lord, would you uh, get me out of the way? Would uh, you speak clearly this morning? Uh, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start with a question, and the question is this. When you look at an apple orchard, do you see the number of trees in the orchard itself, or do you see the number of apple trees in the seeds in the apples that are hanging on those trees? I was astounded to realize in some of the research that I've done that Michigan is a grower of apples. I mean, there's a lot of apples in, in Michigan. Uh, in fact, I came across a marketing ad that said, with more than 16 different commercially produced varieties, you're sure to find a favorite. Michigan produces more than 900 million pounds of apples per year. Did you know that? I had no idea. 900 million pounds of apples per year. So it's no wonder why apples are Michigan's largest and most valuable fruit crop. Small family farms, a tradition of stewardship of the land, climate and geography make your locally grown apples pure Michigan. Fuji, Honeycrisp, John of Gold, by any name, delicious. Crunch into a crisp Michigan apple and take a bite out of the winter blues. I don't know about you, but I'm hearing Tim Allen speak right now. <laughs> I, we get commercials in Indiana, which I'm from and I live, and Tim Allen talks about pure Michigan, pure Michigan. I, I hear his words right there, but I had no idea. I, I had no idea that uh, Michigan was such an uh, apple uh, producing place. And so uh, when I was putting together the message, I thought, wow, that's an interesting thing. Since I'm going to be in Michigan, uh, I probably ought to mention that. But I want to go back to the question that I asked a minute ago and relate that to Jesus in him asking a question and us asking this one, what do you think that Jesus saw 
when he looked at the disciples? Did he just see the number of disciples that were following him? Or did he see the fruit that would become their legacy of multiplication? What do you see when you look around this room? Do you see just the number of people who are here? Or do you see the number of disciples that become the legacy of disciples who are making disciples? The big idea for this morning is this. God is glorified when we die to self, serve and follow Jesus wherever he calls us to plant and multiply our lives. Let me say that again. God is glorified when we die to self, serve and follow Jesus wherever he calls us to plant and multiply our lives. Let's look at the text in verse 23. He says, Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, the glory of God is an important theme in John's gospel. And it almost, you expect Jesus to say, the hour has come to be crucified. But he doesn't say crucified. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is looking beyond the cross to the glory of his resurrection. He was seeing something beyond the obvious to something that would be, and that was his glory. And he says in verse 24, truly, truly, an emphatic, an emphatic mode of speech found throughout John's gospel. It was always used by Jesus, and he introduces a saying that is taken to be very seriously. I remember when I was growing up, my dad would always sit me down and he would say, Johnny, that's what he called me, Johnny, listen to me. And whenever I heard him say, listen to me, looking me in the eyes, I knew that what he was going to say was going to be very, very important. And so Jesus, when he says, truly, truly, He's getting ready to say something we don't want to miss. We don't want to miss. He's pointing out something very obvious in farming. He uses the image of a seed to illustrate a great spiritual truth. That there is no glory without suffering. There is no fruit Without death, there is no victory without surrender. Unless a seed is planted in the ground, there is no fruit. How does that work? The life that's in the seed emerges as a new plant, new life. The seed by itself is just weak. And there's no fruit. It's fruitless. But when it's planted, when it dies, it becomes fruitful. 
And that simply means it achieves its purpose. It fulfills its purpose in life. And so the point is, we're like seeds, aren't we? We're like seeds, small. You may be here this morning and you're feeling pretty small. You're feeling pretty insignificant. You've got a ton of things happening in your life. And you feel the weight and the pressure of life that's just pressing in on you. You're here and you might feel insignificant. Does anybody really care? Does anybody really know me? But if you're a follower of Christ, you have life within you. You have God's life in you. But that life can never be fulfilled unless we die. And that simply means we yield ourselves to God. We allow Him to plant us wherever He desires. This is the point that Jesus is making with His followers. He calls them to die in order that they might live. There are a lot of people who want to live today, who want to enjoy life, who want to live a fulfilled life, who want to live a satisfied life. But the key is dying. Dying. Jesus is calling us to die in order that we might live. But as long as we insist on holding on to our own ambitions or our own desires, we're really cut off from real life. We must die. In other words, no death, no life. No surrender, no sacrifice, no fruit, no multiplication. Verse 25, he goes on, he says, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That word hate is such a harsh word, isn't it? It seems like, but it's used comparatively. It, it's used, Jesus means you must love less. So, their allegiance to God must outweigh all other allegiances that they have. Following Jesus means self-sacrifice. Verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The words serve and follow are action words. They call us to action. Serving and following are action words. Did you realize that the history of the church is full of examples where people who were responsive to God's call in their life have buried themselves in places all over the world serving and following Jesus and planting churches, and multiplying, and making disciples, and multiplying leaders all over the world. All over the world. Here's the problem. 
Not all churches that God has called have responded to his call to plant. The reality is there are so many, in fact, too many people to reach for Christ by just the number of churches in existence right now. So the solution is to go beyond addition to multiplication, to multiply disciples who multiply disciples, who make leaders, who multiply leaders to plant churches that plant churches. Daniel Yang, who's the director of the Send Institute, which is a think tank for evangelism and church planting, feels the urgency for multiplication every day because he understands the demographic trajectory of the United States. By 2050, the country is projected to grow to 438 million people in population. Who would agree that that's a whole lot of people? I mean, that's a ton of people, isn't it? 438 million people. That's the projection. A significant increase from what it is right now. And according to Yang, just to maintain the current 1 to 1,000 church to population ratio. Okay, that means one church to every 1,000 people. That's kind of what the ratio is right now. We will need to see a net gain of 2,100 churches every year until 2050. Every year, 2,100 new churches. And that's just to maintain the status quo. That's just to maintain that ratio of one to a thousand people at this point. But the sobering reality is that the best research right now is indicating that there are only 300 new churches that are opening up every year. So without innovative multiplication, the landscape of America is becoming and going to become less and less Christian. Less and less populated with churches that are making an impact in our culture for Christ. Let, let, that, let that settle in a, a moment. So what that means is that the church must be raising up disciples that are making disciples because with every new disciple is the seed of multiplication that wants to grow and be fruitful. Think about it this way. An orchard of disciple-making disciples. Reproducing and multiplying orchards of disciple-making, disciple-making disciples. Is is that a little bit beyond what you were thinking when you came to church this morning? What's the application of this? 
for us. And I say us because I, I think we're a family, okay? I, I've, I've been adopted into your family, okay, as a church family. I, I feel that. I feel welcome in that way. Here's the application for us. To begin building a legacy of multiplication by becoming a church planting church. That's the application. To begin building a legacy of multiplication by becoming a church planting church. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that that we must develop a church-wide conviction for multiplication. That means every single one of us must have a God-given passion for making disciples who make disciples that multiply. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. So what I'm saying is each one of us here this morning, we must have a God-given passion for multiplication in our own lives, in our families, in our church here. A God-given passion a conviction for multiplication. Secondly, we must develop a church-wide culture for multiplication. A culture of multiplication. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, we see an example of a church that has a culture of multiplication. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 13 for a moment. I want to read these five verses. This was a church at Antioch. It says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This church had a culture for multiplication. And there are five marks of of a culture of multiplication in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. The first one is this. They had a gospel-saturated culture. It says, while they were worshiping and fasting. The word worship here can be translated minister or to serve at one's own cost. It's a word used in the Old Testament when referring to priests who offered up sacrifices to the Lord. When the culture is a healthy, gospel-saturated culture, leaders emerge from within that culture ready to reproduce what they've experienced. So what a church planting church is, it's a church that raises up leaders within the church because it's a gospel-saturated culture. The second mark that we see here is a contextualized model. This church at Antioch was a healthy model. 
Church planting churches require healthy models to replicate. Churches that are focused on the alignment, on, on, on the essentials of what it means to be a church. Preaching, worship, leadership, discipling ministries, developing systems and processes in the church that aid in multiplying and making disciples. The attributes of this type of church are bold preaching, passionate worship, fervent prayer, courageous evangelism, purposeful discipleship, and strategic planning. A contextualized model is a mark of a culture for multiplication. Thirdly, a spirit-led faith. The Bible says here, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I'm not sure that they had a strategic plan in place that called for Barnabas and Saul to be the ones that go out and plant churches. It was a spirit-led initiative. Jesus is the one who builds his church and the Spirit of the living God is the one who calls the church planter. The Spirit called Barnabas and Saul. Huh. They, they were the leaders of that church. They were significant leadership of that church. And yet the Spirit of God called them out and said, I want you to go over here and plant. What do you think the people felt like? Ooh, we're losing some of our best leaders. Eee. Now the truth is, the Spirit didn't call everyone to go, but He did call everyone in that church. Some to go, and some to stay. Which leads to the next point. A gospel-saturated culture, a contextualized model a spirit-led faith, and here's the fourth mark, an open-handed resource pool. Verse 3, it says, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. When you lay your hands on someone, as you guys probably do here in praying for them, do you lay your hands like this, or do you lay your hands like this? This way, right? It's an open-handed approach. This is where self-sacrifice comes into play. The leaders who are called to stay must resource those who are called to plant. The point is that they were able to let go. It, it, have you found it to be true? I have. It's hard to let go of people sometimes, isn't it? Especially, especially a person in the church who's kind of grown up in the church, who's been raised up in the church, who is a leader in the church. In fact, like Paul and Barnabas, maybe one of the best leaders in the church, and here the Spirit was calling them to go plant somewhere else, and the people at Antioch, had to let go. That's hard. Some of you who lead small groups, 
when the group decides to multiply, it's hard to let go of some of those people in the group, isn't it? It's just hard to let go. But a culture for multiplication includes an open-handed resource pool. Here's where the rubber hits the road. Churches have to be risky with their resources. Courageous elder teams must be willing to meet spirit-initiated opportunities with courageous generosity. God calls leaders by His Spirit, but He resources those leaders by the church. And every church has a limited resource pool. But every church has to approach it with an open-handedness. Number five, a culture for multiplication includes a strategic partnership. A strategic partnership, verses four and five. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. The work of planting calls for partners. Partners. Church planting churches need church planting networks. And GCC is such a church planting network. Why are networks important? Networks provide resources and expertise that a church may not have available. Networks help keep church planting a priority, helping to keep it in front of our, the churches that are a part of that particular network. And they help strengthen leaders in the hard seasons of life. So develop a church-wide culture for multiplication. Develop a church-wide conviction for multiplication. And thirdly, develop a church-wide construct for multiplication. Now, I use the word construct to mean simply a process for multiplication. And we have, we have developed a process for church planting churches. It's called the partnership plan. And you see an ex, uh, the, the, the framework on the screen here. See, what I'm talking about is churches must make the shift from programmatic growth strategies to relational disciple-making that results in multiplying disciples and leaders and planting new churches. So churches must make the shift from a church-centered program within the four walls of the church to mobilizing everyday missionaries wherever they find themselves in life. People activated on mission is not the same thing as volunteer recruitment. Let me say that again. People activated on mission is not the same thing as volunteer recruitment. In other words, if recruiting volunteers is the end goal, then we're doing a disservice to the people of God and to the mission of God. We're thinking way too 
small. People must see the call of God on their life as more than simply volunteering for an hour on Sunday morning. Every Christian is a missionary designed to make disciples in every part of society. And the multiplication of believers on mission with God is the end game. So multiplication must be an embedded value of the church. We're talking about kingdom stuff here. And we've developed what we call the partnership plan that focuses our partnership, a network church partnership on these four key areas of multiplication. We believe that church planting begins with a discipleship pathway. Every church should have a discipleship pathway where that church is helping people to make disciples who make disciples. A leadership pipeline that allows for leaders to be able to be identified and developed and strengthened and encouraged and equipped for leadership. Planting preparation that includes a residency in a church where a person, a leader, a qualified uh, leader would be able to spend some time in that church in a residency program learning what it means to multiply. And then a church planting where a church planter who's been identified, elder qualified, is sent out, not by himself, but sent out in partnership to plant a church with ongoing church planting training and funding to be, to be able to multiply disciples who make disciples. So going back to the big idea of this morning, where God is glorified when we die to self, serve and follow Jesus wherever he calls us to plant and multiply our lives. I know a pastor who asked this question of virtually every man, young man in his church. And the question is this. If God were ever to call you to plant a church, I would love to be able to help train you to do that. Can I say that this morning? If God ever calls you to plant a church, would you give us the privilege of helping to train you to do that in partnership. Here's the question. What are you personally and you as a church leaving in terms of a legacy for the next generation or the generations to come? When you look around this room this morning, do you see 
a certain number of disciples? Or do you see the fruit that will become the legacy of these disciples as they die to self, serve, and follow Jesus wherever, wherever he calls them to plant and multiply their lives? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of opening your word and sharing from your heart. Thank you that you call us. You call us to multiply. And God, I'm very, very thankful for this church, for the leadership of this church, who have a desire to become a church planting church. And Lord, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and in our lives and to clarify that call upon each one of us as we die to ourselves, serve and follow you wherever it is that you would have us to multiply and to plant. For this, we give you praise today. We're thankful. And I pray this in the strong, strong name of Jesus. Amen. Before, thank you, John. Can we thank John for serving us this morning? So before we sing, just I'm, I'm prompted just as John is sh was sharing with us, even just the illustration about apples, you know, and just knowing that that apple has to die to bear more fruit. And I know John made the call, like if, if you feel called to plant a church and some of you are like, I don't feel called to plant a church. I don't, I don't want to preach. That scares me to death. I don't, I, what, what are you, you're talking about? So God may call some to do that, but God calls us all to be involved in this mission. So before we sing, I think it's, it's appropriate for us to just kind of Ask God, just ask God, have our hands be open. So I wanna, I wanna ask us just kind of close our eyes and just bow our heads and just be open to the Lord. I'm just gonna throw out some questions that you could ask the Lord how he wants you to be involved. Are you, are you committed to investing in others to see them grow in Christ and seeing a vision of them multiplying? Are you willing to lay your life down and grow to be a leader of a small group so that your small group can multiply? Are you willing to go, to leave this place if the opportunity arises to join a church plan? Rather than pursuing retirement, pursuing replanting yourself for the kingdom, are you envisioning your kids to go? And young people, are you considering? Maybe you're here and you're 12 or you're 20. Are you considering, am I, am I pursuing my education for the purpose of my career or am I pursuing it for the purpose of being able to be moved, movable property for the hands of the king for the mission? 
So let's just take a few moments just to pray and just to be open. And maybe you don't resonate with those questions. You just want to say, God, I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing to be your servant. I'm willing to die. Show me, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.